Welcome to Primetime VC, bringing together the best in venture capital to compete around the hottest topics in tech. Here's today's panel of top venture capitalists. Low Tony, founding managing partner, Plexo Capital. Thanks for having me, Plexo Capital. Absolutely. Jenny Friedman, managing partner, Supernode Ventures. I've actually been referred to as the Cardi B of VC, so I'm going to see if this lives up to that. That's some intro right there. Nahal Mehta, founding managing partner, ENIAC Ventures. Living the dream. Paul Martino, founding managing partner, Bullpen Capital. Great to be here. This is one of my lifetime dreams come true. Hey, here to make dreams happen. That's what we're doing over here. All right, this is how it's going to work. We're gonna talk about the latest news in funding, innovation, and technology, and our VC panelists will give their take, and we're gonna give them points. The top two VCs with the most points will move forward to the finals. They'll go head-to-head -head in the money round. Winner takes all, including the platform, to promote whatever they want. Let's go. It's Primetime VC, the show of accredited banter. First in. Satya Nadella, Microsoft CEO, has said we've seen two years worth of digital transformation in two months. This pandemic has fueled and accelerated the digital transformation for many areas in the US economy that have been slow to adopt new technologies. What lesser known industries and trends do you think will experience higher levels of growth due to COVID? Paul. I got one for you. We're in a company called Modal, which enables millennials to buy cars without going into the dealership. And, and so for years, you'd have to go and haggle with the dealer. Well, guess what? No one wants to go to the dealership now that COVID's happened, not just millennials. And so we're not talking self-driving cars and all that cool high flying stuff. We're talking about regular old cars, regular old people. So I think that industry is really going to take off because people are gonna be afraid to be involved with public transport. So the plain old car, I think that's an industry people need to be paying attention to right now. Okay, okay, Jenny, how about you? I'm gonna go with two. So supply chain of traditional meat, poultry, and fish. So COVID outbreaks cause plant closures, uh, fear of COVID spreading at plants. So the bottleneck for meat is, was in production. So from April to May, the production of pork was down 35%, beef 33%, uh, chicken 10%. Um, and so now levels are back to normal, but in order to avoid the supply shortages for people um, in the future, now they're paying attention to cell cultured meat, which is actually meat grown in the labs. And we have an investment, it's called New Age Meats, which is doing exactly that. Another one is, is that we're interested in is B2B virtual meetings. I like to think of Zoom is to virtual human connection as AOL dial-up is to internet connection. So we're seeing a lot of virtual meeting rooms with new features such as you know whiteboard, agile uh, workflows, browser sharing, full stack uh, platforms, um, and you know tons of uh, you know like hallway conversations. You can virtually lock your door. Etc. Yeah, I like my steak. I will say that, but let's go over to Nahal. I have to give uh, I have to give it to autonomy and automation, uh, specifically in the autonomous stack. So uh, we have a bunch of companies post COVID that really started accelerating. Uh, one powers autonomous forklifts. One autonomous naval ships, cargo naval ships at sea. 
and also autonomous air transport. Um, there was a big hype bubble, I think, a few years ago for sure, but now it's a it's it's really happening. Um, businesses are obviously trying to get humans, especially humans with viruses, out of the loop, and you know have machines drive and fly things, and uh, and we're seeing that more than ever. I like that. I like that. I mean, I'd be cross-country trucking, but, you know, if it's going to take my job, I don't know. Uh, Lo, how about yourself? Well, I am long on Nike because everyone's wearing sweatpants and T-shirts, and I am short on wall razors because as Nahal shows, no one's cutting their beard, and if I had hair, it'd be like an afro like my son. I just shaved this morning. What the hell? <laughs> it grows fast. Uh, so the thing that I also like is I'm a big proponent of just spending more time in front of the screen doing entertainment. Esports is a great way to do that. So we're big and bullish on the esports opportunity. We think that it's the great level playing field for a lot of the kids that aren't able to participate in other types of physical sports. And it's just a, a lot of fun. So people are at home. They've got a screen. If they're not streaming, if they're not on a Zoom call, they're probably playing a game. Yeah. Any, anyone disagree there? They want to jump in? Oh, yeah. Esports is great right now, right? You, can, you can't even go to school right now, but you can play your computer game right now. We have a lot of exposure to the category gaming, gambling, etc. I think Lowe's dead on. This is going to be a great place to be. We're in an awesome company called Rainway out of Seattle that lets you play your Xbox on remote. Exactly the kind of stuff people need right now. You guys can find something for, for young kids that will keep them engaged. Uh, I'm, I'm going to need to let my brother know because he's going absolutely nuts. I, Nothing is out there. Yeah, I, I, I need that badly for my son, Sean, who's five years old. Uh, but I'm getting him hooked on Mario Kart already, so that's helping. Well, educational would be also good. Yeah, yeah that's, that's just a bonus, unnecessary bonus. I, I think the Mario Kart definitely gets a point there. I like that. Moving on to the next subject. In a world of VCs telling founders to focus, Elon Musk just released his Neuralink chip, which will allow you to stream music directly to your brain. Which of Elon Musk's ventures are you most excited for? Jenny. I'm gonna go with SpaceX. This is the first time an American-made spacecraft has launched humans from US soil in a decade. Um, this is resuming the US's uh, human spaceflight capabilities. So we're, this is opening an entirely new era. We're going to have commercial um, space flights and, and crew. Um, before this, SpaceX had to rely on Russian rockets, and that was, that was way too expensive, li limited access to the station. We could only carry three passengers, and the costs were insane. Before, it was $21 million per passenger, 2008. With these with Russia, they were planning on ninety million dollars per astronaut, and with SpaceX, we're down to fifty-five million dollars with with uh, Crew Dragon, and it can carry seven passengers. And it's giving NASA access to space station. The most important thing I think is that NASA can now use space station's yeah. microgravity environment to do more science experiments, pharmaceuticals, material science, astronomy, and medicine. Yep, yep. Forget the moon. Let's go to Mars. Nahal. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Jenny, uh, SpaceX. Humble brag, I'm a small investor as well. Um, but, you know, uh, Tesla and SpaceX, everything is converging as well as, uh, you know, his tunneling system and Neuralink. I mean, in the future, this is one multi-trillion dollar uh, market cap logistics company uh, where folks are getting, you know, uh, they're, they're driving 
themselves and cargo on the earth or in outer space. It's all one big platform. It's exciting stuff. How about low? Yeah, no, I think this is this is the one. This is the one that I'm most excited about. Um, I believe that I want to go to Mars one day. Hopefully I'll make it. You might have to freeze me to get me there, but that's okay. And then I would just say, I, you know, I am not a Tesla fan at all. So I want to say something controversial. Uh, I, in fact, I just, this weekend, I pulled out, I hadn't driven it in a while. I've got this BMW, it's got this V10 engine, and that thing gets about seven miles per gallon. And I love that thing. No electricity for me. Well, if you got the Tesla, let me borrow it. I'll, I'll take it off your hands. And I think there's a lot of competitive, co- competitors in that market too. Paul, uh, you got something else besides uh, SpaceX here? Oh, yeah. I got to go. Listen, as a guy who can get motion sick in a bathtub, no way am I down with SpaceX being the pick. No way. Uh, I got to go with the boring company. First off, best name ever. But think about it. Don't you want to be on the board of a company where the CEO comes in and says, I'm going to start selling flamethrowers. Like, that's the board meeting I really want to go to one day where the CEO says something like that. So any of you out there, if you're thinking about doing that, I want to be on your board because when you have a product like that to go sell, I want to be in the room for that. I like that. I like that. The boring company, absolutely. And not to mention, they're putting... No one's talking about Hyperloop here. You know, the boring company's making the holes. If I lived in Syracuse, I could get to the city in 15 minutes. I'll take that, L.A. or whatever. I mean, you, Lo, you're in L.A. You're not excited about that? Well, I mean, that BMW can get places pretty fast, so I don't know. I, not, <laughs> not, not in L.A. traffic, though. Come on. <laughs> well, actually, post-pandemic, there is no L.A. traffic. There is no traffic. Hey, Lo, by the way, I got, I, got a, I got a Hemi engine car upstairs, and the license plate on it is no Prius. <laughs> love that. Love that. Very Yeah, Paul I think Martino. you get that joke. And actually, you could put a chip in a Tesla to actually make this, the engine sound like a gas engine. Uh, they retrofitted a few of those. Um, but anyway, yeah. Lo, I, 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 got, I feel you on the BMW. It's good stuff. Good stuff. I like this. Good banter so far. There's a lot of points going around. A lot of points. Forerunner Ventures just raised $500 million for their fifth fund in a process that started during the heat of the pandemic. This is a 40% increase in size compared to their fourth fund of $360 million. What is the leadership and strategy needed when raising funds in these volatile times? Lowe, start it off. I had a good conversation with, um, with Paul Denning about this. And you know, he mentioned that it has to be a much more engaging presentation. The level of Zoom fatigue is real. And so I think what, entre- you know, what, what GPs need to do is what's similar to entrepreneurs is make sure that there's pauses to be able to turn it into a conversation. No one wants to be part of a, you know, a Zoom you know, college course on why someone should invest in this fund. Try to even like pause and insert questions. Hey, people have asked me this question just to make it more engaging, keep it at 30 minutes. And my recommendation is also schedule a few meetings in the hope that you can actually do them in person. And if you can't, that's okay. It's just another Zoom update. I like that. Hopefully we could do the show in person soon too. Mr. Martino. Well, I'll tell you what, I was out raising the fund at the same time. Our fund five deck, the date on it was like February 5th. Oh, it was a lot of fun to be out there in March and April and May. I mean, it's an experience like none I will ever, ever recall. I mean, I was through 08 and 09, and I was through 01 and 02. So I do remember what it was like to be out there when everybody said, you're selling what to who. Uh, it was a very challenging environment. And you, you really needed to have existing relationships with a lot of the LPs before. 
And so we fared a lot better with people who became new LPs who we had met in the, the past. So doing a lot of sales qualification is the thing you really got to do to get to the promised land. Uh, because a lot of LPs are going to be uncomfortable if the only time they've ever met you is on a Zoom. So those old things we used to do, like going to conferences and meeting people and shaking hands, some of that's going to really come in handy if you actually went and did that a year or two ago, because those are going to be the people you need to target right now, because they're going to be a lot more comfortable talking to you over that Zoom Lowe's mentioning if they had met you previously. Yep. Jenny, your thoughts? So yeah, I mean, a, a little bit of a different direction. I mean, the same the same way that we speak to founders, we want to know that they have domain expertise. We want to know that they've you know, had some synergies with their co-founders in the past to mitigate, you know, the, the management team disintegrating. Um, we, we, we've actually been backing founders that I've either went to school with that I've known, we've known it before COVID. Um, and, and it's, it has sort of mitigated that, that type of risk. So I don't know. I mean, in terms of talking to LPs, you always, there's always an active pipeline of opportunities. Um, we're consistently looking for founders who can weather the storm of, as, as early stage investors. And then honestly, if you think about it, we would be completely in the dark ages if it weren't for tech. So if this pandemic showed us anything, it was that there's no more reliable place to put your cash than in, in the technology sector. It's what's kept us afloat and, and been able to do our jobs. We've been able to access medicine. Um, through doctors and all the all the telehealth, uh, and and you know communicate with friends and family. So, this it's it, I, I think if if there's anywhere to put your money, it's 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 with all of us <laughs> or just me, whatever you want. <laughs> Nahal fundraising. Speaking of where to put your money, we're closing up Fund Five. Uh, so you know you know where to put your money. Uh, today, um, we'll take good care of it. No, but um, totally agree with Jenny. I mean, if you look at what happened in 01 and 08 versus right now, um, the public tech uh, market caps are unbelievable. Digital, digital transformation has been accelerated uh, significantly. And so that's helping our underlying startups and obviously our funds. Um, so that's one big, uh, you know, difference. You know, also um, what Paul mentioned in a pandemic is very hard to create net new relationships and so lps long-term lps that think about you know multiple fund commitments just like we back founders over and over again um you know you really want to meet them you want to meet them feel them out read that data signal you know from them see how they interact with their co-founders in person not over zoom and so i think that's just hard to do in a pandemic you cannot create net new relationship to that extent and so it is, it is very hard to fundraise uh, in this environment. Fortunately, our companies are accelerating. Um, so, so we have that. Yeah. Lo, you got any thoughts over here? Yeah, no, I agree with what everyone said. I mean, boy, the only deals that I can really see getting closed from the LP side are when, as Paul said, the relationship has already been established in person. I just think that there's so many like things around the body language, the chemistry that happens when you're in person, it's just so tough to replicate. I'm on an LP chatter, Telegram group chat, and we talk about this all the time. And I think many people are saying, hey, if this lasts much longer, you know, some people don't think they're going to make any new LP commitments to a new fund manager, right? It's just all going to be re-ups. End of round one. It's a tight one, but things are about to heat up. Let's move into round two. Buy or sell? Buy or sell. 
Spotify has proven direct listings can be successful over time. Airbnb is trying to figure out their path. Buy or sell, direct listings and IPOs are broken. Nahal, start us off. You know, I, I think it, it depends on the stock. Um, I think SPAC is going to be the new word for the next kind of year, year and a half. Um, we're a tiny shareholder in Airbnb, obviously, whatever you see that's public is, uh, you know, we're hearing is true regarding SPAC on that company. You know, I think there's going to be some really interesting new products to get liquidity for, for these startups. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't think it has to be direct listing anymore. Jenny? So I'm pretty passionate about this one. I think IPOs are definitely broken. The IPO market from is down, it was down in 2019 from 2018, 33%. We were seeing tons of high valuations, but no profitability. Don't need to even go further. You guys all know what I'm talking about. Um, and SPACs and direct listings, I think, are more efficient and quick. There's a quicker process. You can sidestep market volatility. Um, the SPAC and the target company can avoid public scrutiny. Uh, scrutiny. Uh, there's le it's less regulated and streamlined. There's more democratic and, and uh, entrepreneurial. And you cut out Wall Street, which is a huge thing, and all the bank fees. Um, it's more flexible for stakeholders, including employees who own equity, uh, prevents unnecessary dilution of private shareholders, and then you avoid underpricing, which is huge for late stage investors, not that I am one, but uh, late stage investors. And um, and then regardless, you know, people are raising big private rounds and then doing the direct listing. So you're getting the best of both worlds when you're doing direct listing. So SPACs, direct listings have my vote. Sure. Low? Yeah, no, I think Jenny is spot on, especially with regard to the inefficiencies of the pricing with so much money being left on the table, typically. And it's amazing that it's almost like like those are what are deemed the most successful are actually the ones where the most money has been left on the table, which makes no rational sense whatsoever. Um, let's revise this product process and, you know, let's get more money into the hands of companies and get it on the, the balance sheet. Paul, how about yourself? Big time buy. We were all over this years ago. My partner, Duncan Davidson, is one of the talking heads on CNBC on this topic. You ever want to hear anybody talk about what is broken with Wall Street? Duncan's your guy. He's been talking about all of these things for a couple years. And a couple years ago when we were talking about this stuff, people said we were crazy. So I'm like that, I like that the rest of the market caught up with our crazy because it's better for startups. We like your crazy, Paul. Paul is perfect for the show. I've never met Paul, and, and, I, and yeah, I can't Paul wins. I, I give my vote to Paul. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. But I want to be Paul. Whatever he says, he so can be saying complete nonsense. Point. It doesn't matter. I, I think we got to give you an extra point or two, Paul, that you know makes sense. Everyone's agreeing on that. Thank you. Thank you. You take that round. That's nice. TikTok recently opened their New York City headquarters in Times Square, taking over 220,000 square feet. Also riddled with privacy concerns, buy or sell TikTok's future. Jenny. Guys, as someone who just posted a TikTok video with 500K views, let me tell you, TikTok is here to stay. So yes, India banned it. That was 611 million peeps. That's 30% of their audience and TikTok is still thriving. So, and, and then since the ban, uh, TikTok clones in India shot up 155% in the past month. Then, uh, and anyway, if you wanted to, if, you, if the whole legal battle is going to be difficult, challenges are going to come up when, if you're, if you're putting it on the entity list with the app store and Google play, it's not going to be that easy. 
And I think the new CEO, Kevin Meyer from, from ex-Disney, he's based in LA, combined with NEA, SoftBank, and Sequoia becoming major stakeholders in ByteDance. Um, I think that will quell some of US uh, privacy concerns. And then like, hello, they just raised a $200 million creator fund. Like this is a free creative, this is expression. It's, yep. it's not going anywhere. Right. You, you took the lead, you're wavering there. I like it, you're a lot of energy, it's good stuff. Low. I'm just wondering how, how can I get like 500K in views on a TikTok? You gotta be creative like I am. All right, well maybe I need to do that. I and mean, maybe it'll help me with my fundraising, but you know, I think TikTok is here to stay. I mean, it's all about self-expression, creativity. Um, that's not going to end. And, you know, the generations behind me, at least, millennials, Gen Z, uh, it's just a different world. They, they think about things so differently. I used to always say the only way that you can be a good investor on the consumer side is either you got to be young enough to use this stuff or you got to be old enough to have kids that use this stuff and can guide you. Paul? Yeah, look, uh, I agree. Here to stay, no doubt about it. No doubt about it also that I think somebody's going to come after it. And so what the shareholders are doing is smart. By, by getting U.S. ownership of the primary entity to avoid the problem before it happens, that's smart. Because the last thing you want is a whole set of everybody under 21 in the U.S. being mad at you because you've turned off a product that probably actually was spying on you. So let's figure out the way to make it work because people are going to be pretty pissed off if we don't. Paul's got a big TikTok following. Amen. Definitely check him out. Nahal. I'm going to be a little contrarian. We see the dub, dub smash. We're already seeing uh, post-India, post-Amazon potentially, um, you know, shutting it down. But but just kidding, they didn't. Uh, we, we're starting to see a lot of creators come over um, uh, to dub smash, and that's starting to grow. Um, I think people are nervous that it, it is going to be banned um, or significantly inhibited so jenny set up your dub smash account I, I don't i actually do not have a dub smash account so and i should be one because i'm also an eniac fan big shout out to dub smash i like that moving on the gap between seed and series a has never been greater and COVID is exasperating the situation many founders fall within the gap and there could be negative connotations attached buy or sell the post seed is the new bridge round Low, start us off. You should really start with Paul on this one. I think Paul is the expert in this one. I'm going to defer to Paul. Give it to Paul. All right, Low, you hand it off. I, I got to deliver. This is sell, 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 sell everything you got. A bridge round is something only your insiders have incentive to do. It gets you six months of money to get past something that only they have incentive to do. A post-seed round is a real round. It's just a small round in between the big rounds. It gets you 12 to 18 months of money. It's a real round, and a third party will lead it. So bridge, bad idea. Post-seed round, I love it. Jenny? I could not agree more with Paul. I hate bridge rounds. I, I used to intern at, at for Nahal, and he used to call it a bridge to nowhere, and it's stuck in yeah. my head, and it it's like throwing money at a fire. And you guys want to hear something funny? I actually just found out that there's a firm that's doing it's 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 focused on the pre-expansion round. So they're trying to be like, we're not a bridge, but we're it's it's ridiculous. The whole thing is not for me, and. 
Um, series A, I just read this in, in as of as of May 20th, Series A rounds, their average has been 14.4 million and looking for four to five million in ARR, that is insane. So Crazy. now everyone's going to, now everyone's going earlier, all these early stage investors like myself, hello, that's why I created Supernode for the earliest of founders, now everyone's doing it and there is a gap. So, I mean, it exists, but I freaking hate bridge rounds. Let's bring it over to Nahal. Yeah, a bridge, bridge, exactly. Bridge to nowhere. They're, we call them peers. They're, you know, you walk up a period down, you're, you're dead. Um, uh, Post-seed rounds, interestingly enough, the uh, we ran an analysis at ENIAC uh, where we participated post-seed, um, and and those companies ended up with successful A's and beyond. Uh, we have terrific ownership. Um, oftentimes, a very competitive Series A round um, it's hard for even early investors to get their full pro rata. But when you do a post seed, you buy yourself a seat at the table, even if it's a uncapped note at a discount, whatever the terms are. So we're, we're using that as, as a mechanism to get our pro or even super pro rata uh, to ensure that at the A and later. And Nahal, did you read my PPM? I'll tell you what, you said you got that dead on. I love it. Love that as much as the beer. <laughs> hey, I'll give one, one observation. Yes. So anecdotally, we like to look at a lot of funds I got to tell you, I in the in the first couple of quarters of this year, I saw six funds that were led by people raising about 100 to 150 to go after this specific opportunity. They actually referred to it as a right size Series A, right? But it's like a sub 10, like a, you know, like a 5 to 7 million dollar Series A because they saw an extreme amount of inefficiency. You go to the LPs and the LPs will say, "Eh, we're not interested in this space because our multi-stage, multi-billion and AUM firms tell us that they have this opportunity covered. So we're more interested in the micro VCs, but we all know the reality is the multi-stage folks, they don't get out of bed in the morning if they can't issue a term sheet for $25 million. Solid round, solid round all around. We are in the money round. Uh, unfortunately, you had to deduct a point from low. You gave up your, what are you doing? You're giving up the platform? <laughs> this is all you. you. you got was, to hear Paul's take, it was worth it. It's true. It's true. I, I got to, I, I had some, I got overly confident when that happened. Well, it, it caught, it cost you the final round. Jenny had a great surge, but didn't make it. It's down to Paul and the hall. Uh, it's going to be two minutes. So if you guys want to stick around. Whoa, whoa. Hey, low man. Thank you for tapping out. I was worried about you. How did I not get voted? Hello? I had the best answers. And Paul's got that like rhino pig. Piggy banks thing. It's called a hippopotamus. Oh, okay. I call it a rhino pig. The money round. Gentlemen, congratulations. It's the finals. It's the money round. This is it. We got three questions. Each will take a side on the remaining topics. Let's go. The fintech space is heating up with banks trying to evolve fast enough to fend off new competition. Amazon is headed for a collision course with the conventional banking sector. Who comes out on top, Amazon or traditional banks? Paul, start at us off. You got the most points. Look, I think here's what they got to do. It's got nothing to do with banking. It has to do with splitting the existing company. They better get antitrust off their butt. So what they got to do, split the AWS web services from the commerce company, pat themselves on the back, then they can get into banking. Adding banking to this is a recipe for antitrust. No. Yeah, I think neither Amazon nor conventional banking wins. Uh, Amazon has a different type of relationship with their customers. 
It's not that of a bank. Traditional banks too are com being completely disrupted by all the neo banks, Chime, etc. Um, I think the future is brand direct to consumers using ACH Rails. We actually have a company in the space called Imagine that's helping power that as well. I like that. All right, we're gonna give that to Nahal. Uh, moving on to the next one. With the recent suit filed by Slack against Microsoft for anti-competitive practices, who comes out on top? Microsoft or Slack? Uh, Nahal. You know, it's tough. I mean, you know, Slack, obviously incredible innovation. Microsoft is just such a behemoth. You know, Microsoft buys network effects. You know, after Slack started to take off post-pandemic, Microsoft spending, you know, they can spend hundred millions of dollars on ad campaigns and just and just get teams down the throats of organizations, especially with their enterprise sales team. Slack is a better product, uh, but Microsoft just sitting on so much more cash on their balance sheet. Paul? Totally agree. Nahal's right on this. The go-to-market advantage of Microsoft cannot be understated. The product doesn't matter. It's not that the product doesn't matter, but when you can send that money down the channel, you're going to be the winner. Uh, and, and by the way, I don't think we're going to see this turn into 1998 with the antitrust again. That ain't going to work. You ain't going to get the same company twice. It'll be somebody else this time. Okay, for the sake of competition, I'm going to give it to Paul. I think Nahal probably had a better answer, but we're going to push it to the last question. Are we in a simulation? Nahal, start us off. I mean, look at my beard. This is definitely a simulation. In the real world, you could not get a beard this long, this robust. It's a good beard. It's a good beard. What, I don't even know how you respond to that. Is it the, the rhino pig you talk about? Duff. Red pill or blue pill? Agent Smith is waiting for both the aliens as well as the zombies. The prop, the prop wins. I, I, it, the beard is great, but the prop wins. Uh, winner, Paul Martino, Bullpen Capital. You have the platform. Well done. You deserve it. Thanks, guys. You deserve it. Good work. I worked hard. You're made for this. Paul is you made. You really are. You have the voice and, and the enthusiasm. You got it all. You got it all. You got it all. Paul, 30, 45 seconds. Preach. The final word. Here's my preach. Seriously. It's great to be on the show. I, I can't wait till this is a big, successful thing like some of our startups. But here's the thing. To you founders out there, a lot of people are scared right now. COVID's scary. What's going on in the streets of some places is scary. But you were built for this. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you don't get scared and run under your desk when stuff like this happens. And you know what? We need you right now. We need you to do your job, right? If you say you're an entrepreneur, it means you know how to deal with risk. You know how to deal with uncertainty. So if you're thinking about starting that company, you better go do it right now. And all of us on this call right here, we're here to back you. We want to see you stand up and be strong when it's scary and risky. You're on. Let's go. Hey, thanks for watching Primetime VC, your go-to source for accredited banter, bringing together the best in venture capital to compete. Please subscribe, hit that like button, and comment on your favorite part. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next week.